Greater Glory, the Transformational Power of Christian Unity. That's coming up next right here on The Parker J. Cole Show. Hi, and welcome to The Parker J. Cole Show. I'm your host, the Queen, Parker J. Thank you so much for joining me. Today we're going to be talking to my returning guest co-host at Katrina today, Bob Santos. You may remember the last time we talked about community prayer devotional. And with community prayer, we learned how community prayer can not just change your life, but the life all around you. If you haven't had a chance to listen to that episode, feel free to go to our archives at pjcmedia.net. Again, pjcmedia.net. You can scroll through the archives and get your taste of community prayer. Bob is back again to talk about greater glory, the transformational power of Christian unity. Now, you may be thinking, oh, the church is pretty much unified. And I would tell you, no, it's not unified. And Bob's going to help us understand why unity is so important and what we can do to help facilitate that in just a few moments. As always, I want to thank our Patreon team for their support. We have been showcasing Christian authors worldwide for the past nine years. And as God gives us grace, we'll continue to do so. To find out how you can help out, simply go to patreon.com slash write stuff and see what you can do. And as always, we covet your prayers. To stay up to date with PJC Media, simply go to pjcmedia.net, click on that pink follow button, and you'll never have to miss a show. Subscribe to our new YouTube channel at PJC Media and be notified of exclusive content, new updates, and more. Go ahead, subscribe today. Without further ado, I'm going to bring Bob on board. Bob, how you doing? I'm doing well, Parker. It is a pleasure to be with you today. And it's a pleasure to have you back. You know, I thoroughly enjoyed our last conversation about community prayer, and it was so wonderful to have you back to talk about greater glory. And I'm very interested in what all this has to do with unity. But before I do that, I want to reintroduce you to our listeners. So go ahead, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I, my wife and I founded a ministry called Search for Me Ministries, and our purpose is to help grow Christians to spiritual maturity, because we believe that for the church to accomplish everything that God calls us to, including reaching the lost, we really need to be growing in the grace of God. So it's not just about going to heaven someday, it's about growing into the people that the Lord desires us to be and has destined us to be. I like that you said it's not just about going to heaven. That's more about being focused on the reward of being with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So when we say about this thing about maturity, would you say that what, how we learn to mature in Christ in this life will help us when we get to heaven? Because we're going to be doing things there, too. So what's your thoughts about that? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. I think that it has eternal ramifications. Certainly, by the way that we treat other people and the things that we accomplish in this life, not so much to earn anything in heaven, but there's something tied to it all when it comes to the influence we have and the rewards that we receive. That's a wonderful thought to think that maybe I can be the head of like the third of the kingdom. <laughs> like the Lord's going to put me over here in his kingdom. Like, P, you have this part right here. <laughs> I love that idea, uh, Bob. But it actually brings me to my thought about your book, Greater Glory, 
and about unity. And we can look around right now and see that there is not a lot of unity going on. In fact, there's a lot of division, but not just outside of the church, but inside the church. And so I know you want to use this book as a stepping point or as a stepping stone to helping us become more unified. So the first question I have to ask you is why unity is so important. Yeah, this is huge. And I'll just give you three reasons that I think are really, really important for us. The first is that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 26 or verse 25, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste and no city or house divided against itself will stand. This is a universal principle, Parker. It doesn't matter whether it's the church, military, you know, nations at war, whatever it is, sports, any kingdom that is divided against itself cannot stand. And when you think about the influence that the church has lost over the decades, I can't help but think that our division is a big part of that. So let's go into the deeper meaning about a kingdom divided against itself will not stand. We hear that a lot. You kind of alluded to it, but I would love for you to expand on the topic. Yeah, well, we have so many different kingdoms in our world. You know, it's really in many ways kingdoms competing against one another. If you think about sports, for example, you might have, you know, I'm from PA originally, the Pittsburgh Steelers kingdom versus the Washington Commanders or, or whoever it is, you know. But when you have two entities that are opposed to one another, they need to be unified if they're going to be effective in that fight. And as Christians, when John the Baptist came on the scene, he began to proclaim the coming of God's kingdom. And really, if you think about it, Jesus came as the eternal king, and the kingdom is his domain. And so our task as Christians is to help advance his kingdom on this earth. But if we are divided as the people of God, we cannot fulfill that mandate. You bring up an excellent point. It reminds me of the admonishment of the Apostle Paul when he talked about, are we all, as the body, all one organ? You know, are we all the foot? Are we all the ear? If we were all just one ear. It also brings about the passage in Scripture where he talks about, oh, I'm of Apollo. I'm of Cephas. I'm of Paul. I'm of Jesus. And he says, wait a minute. <laughs> he puts it all into context here. Go ahead and explain that to our listeners. Yeah, it's a big deal. I mean, what they were doing was, especially the Corinthians, if you study the book, it really looks as though they were insecure. They were people that didn't have a lot of ability, and their insecurity caused them to latch on to people of significance. And they used that as a badge of honor. And what Paul was saying is that this, this is the wrong way to approach it. You know, you are dividing yourself, essentially, you're creating factions. And again, those factions really undermine the purpose of the gospel. So how does disunity affect our witness? That's another big one. In the gospel of John, Jesus, not long before he went to the cross, said to his disciples, he said in John 13, 34 and 35, he said, I'm giving you a new commandment that you love one another, just as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And then he went on to say this. He said, by this will all people know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Think about that for a minute, Parker. If somebody came into my life and judged my relationship with God based on how I treat other people, other Christians in particular, what would they come away thinking? 
So if you think about what unity is, the, the idea of unity, it's not natural. People are not naturally unified. I mean, it, it, takes, it takes something significant for us to love and respect other Christians, and that reveals God at work in our lives. And so uh, it becomes evidence of our relationship with him when we love one another and we walk in unity together. One thing you mentioned about how disunity is actually more natural to us, but unity shows that we have the supernatural power, if you will, to come together and affect change. And if I could just segue really quickly, could you see this when, in your book about community prayer, could you see the effectiveness of that too? Yeah, those two go hand in hand. And actually, I call these two books my transformational twins. Greater Glory, the power, transformational power of Christian unity, and then the community prayer devotional, which is really rooted in the idea of the body of Christ coming together to pray with one heart and one mind. And those, those two ideas go hand in hand. So let's talk about why it is important for us to be unified, because it has a lot to do with God's passion for us to be unified. Yeah, I mean, a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. It affects our Christian witness. And then the third reason to me is it's really powerful, but it's often overlooked. And that's the idea that God passionately desires that we would be unified. I mean, think about who God is. We we worship, we call it the Trinity sometimes. Uh, some uh, older teachers would call it the Godhead, you know, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit where we have three in one. I mean, there's a unity there. And so it is at the very heart of who God is, the whole concept of unity. And so his passion is that we would also be unified as his people. I like that you mentioned the Trinity because it brings to mind the whole concept of the Trinity, the three in one. And there are things about nature that reflect the Trinity in ways that we can't always comprehend, but we can apprehend in some manner. And one of my favorite examples of the Trinity would be time. We have the past, the present, and the future. They all work together, but neither is the other. And I love that particular example because you kind of get it without quite understanding everything I'm possibly saying, but that unity is there because God is all about unity and unifying the body of Christ. And he does it by diversity. And we talked about that with Paul, where he mentioned is the whole body an ear, is the whole body a foot, you know, and that different people have different gifts, and that could bring about unity as well, would you say? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a big difference between unity and uniformity. You know, uniformity demands that we all look the same, that we all be the same, that we carry ourselves the same way. Whereas unity it says in scripture is that uh, love is the perfect bond of unity. And so we can be very different. And indeed we are because God has created us to be diverse. We can be very different, but still unified because it's love. Love is the glue that holds us together. And not everyone can be the preacher and not everyone can be the singer and not everyone can be the edifier. Not everyone can be the prayer (laughs) and not everyone can do that. But You have some people who are very comfortable working in the background. There are some people very comfortable being in front. I love when I see pastors in their spouse where you have one who is more extroverted than the other, right? And they'll go, oh, where's your spouse? And you'll go, 
somewhere <laughs> around here because the spouse tends to hide in the background or something like that. So I love seeing that sometimes as an example of the different people still bring about the same work. And so it brings me to my next question about it is, in that discussion about unity, you talk about unity as a covenant. What do we mean by that? Well, the idea is that it's not unity for the sake of unity. What is it that makes us unified as Christians? If it's not uniformity, what would it be? And essentially, we're talking about the new covenant. And one of the reasons that I think that we are so disunified is that we have lost an understanding in the West of what a covenantal relationship is. You know, a covenant is the, it's the highest form of relationship. It's a relational oneness. And the way God has designed it is that when I become a Christian, I enter into a new covenant relationship with Jesus. When you became a Christian, you entered into a new covenant relationship with Jesus. And by his design, we enter into a new covenant relationship with one another. And so the Bible uses terms like brothers and sisters because we all become part of the covenantal family of God. And so it's the covenant that joins us together, which means that how we live matters, what we believe matters as far as our our core doctrines, because the unity is centered in our relationship with him and not just in the idea that we want to be unified. So give us the difference between covenant and contract. Yeah, they're very, very different. I mean, a contract is really based on protecting my own interests, where a covenant is for the benefit of the other. Uh, For example, if you think about wedding vows, you know, marriage is supposed to be a covenant ordained by God. Have you ever been to a wedding where you've heard a groom say, well, I, I promise to love and care for you as long as you're the person that I want you to be, as long as you take care of me? as long as uh, you look a certain way. I mean, you don't. You would never get that in a marriage ceremony. The marriage ceremony wouldn't last long either. <laughs> no, <it's really> <laughs> and, and that's why some don't. The whole idea of the covenant is that I'm in this for you. I'm in this for your benefit. I love that you use the example of the wedding ceremony because when we make those vows, we're saying in sickness and in health for richer or for poor, till death do us part. That is a covenant of a sense. And uh, I'm glad that you mentioned that. It brings me to my next question about the relationship between unity and glory. Yeah, this is really fascinating. You know, we, we were talking about why unity merit matters and that it, it's God's passion because it's a reflection, you know, of the Trinity. When, when Jesus uh, lifted his high priestly prayer to the Father in John chapter 17, this was just before he was going to the cross. And Three times in this prayer, he prayed that we would be one as he is one, as he and the Father are one, which is a really powerful concept. The third time he prayed it is in John 17, 22. He says, the glory which you have given me, I also have given to them so that they may be one just as we are one. And this, this to me is fascinating. Uh, essentially, Life for us on earth, in so many ways, is a pursuit of glory, a pursuit of importance, a pursuit of of significance. And really at the heart of sin is this attempt to pursue it apart from God, where we're trying to establish a sense of significance and importance 
based on ourselves apart from him. And when we do that, the effect that it has is that it divides us. Uh, it creates animosity because what we try to do is live up to standards. And, you know, I might set a standard and I put you down because you don't meet the standard and I lift myself up because I meet it or vice versa. And that living according to standards in a way to identify ourselves, to find glory, to give significance to ourselves, creates division and it separates us as individuals. You mentioned that we try to do things because in our sinful manner, we're always trying to pull away from what God wants us to do, even though we're part of the body of Christ. And this struggle is real, and we can see that in current day. We can definitely see that struggle. So how can we resolve some of the conflicts that we have when we do have disunity in the church? Yeah, well, there's several things we can do. Number one is, you know, related to this issue of glory is that we we learn to find our identity through our relationship with God rather than through our performance or our productivity or our appearance or any of those types of things. It all centers on our relationship with him. And then we also just learn the skills of conflict resolution. Um, you know, we're going to have differences. We're going to disagree. That's just the reality of life. But if we walk in maturity and we learn how to humble ourselves and put our pride aside, we can learn the skills of conflict resolution that help to tear down the walls that would separate us. In the book, you do note some other steps that we can take when it comes to conflict resolution that the church can take as well. I think it's very important to have those steps because sometimes if the issue is big enough or volatile enough, it can really affect our ability to be unified. So I'm glad that you give us all this information in your book, Greater Glory, The Transformational Power of Christian Unity. So do you have an excerpt that you can share with us that really ties in this title, Greater Glory, The Transformational Power of Christian Unity, that we can share with our listeners today? Yeah, that's a good question because it reveals the whole idea related to what we talked about with identity and glory is that we seek our individual means to measure up the standards, to validate ourselves, that type of thing. And the idea here with the book title, Greater Glory, is that there's a higher glory that comes from selfless love as opposed to our self-centered attempts to find significance. So let me read a quote from uh, page 43. It says, there is a glory far greater than growing a large church, having the best worship service, or holding to quote-unquote perfect doctrine. It's found through humbly and selflessly loving our brothers and sisters in Christ. As we love one another with pure hearts, God's glory is revealed and his kingdom expanded in the midst of humanity. Christians are not competitors vying to be the quote-unquote king of the hill or striving to get the most people to a meeting. Darkness flourishes through such base thinking. Instead, we are co-laborers for the gospel. You play your part and I play mine, but we all work together for the cause of Christ. If we can embed this one simple truth in our thinking that we are co-laborers and not competitors, it will unleash the power of the church in amazing ways and how our communities will benefit. This is a lovely excerpt from the book, Greater Glory, the Transformational Power of Christian Unity. And I love how you say we are co-laborers for the gospel. That means that we're all relatively on the same level. Some are preachers, of course, some are 
teachers, some are doing this, some are doing that. But at the end of the day, our goal is the same, to reach people for Christ, to grow in Christ, and to belong in Christ. And I love how you use these words to really illustrate how important that unity is. So, Bob, I know that you have an opportunity for our listeners to get a free copy of both Greater Glory and Community Prayer. Yes, they can go to our website, sfme.org, that's searchforme.org, and digital downloads are available for both of those books. And we would just love them to, to read them, pray, to share them uh, the links with others. Do you think both of these books would be good for churches who have small groups? Yeah, certainly. There's In the uh, Greater Glory book, there are questions, some discussion questions after the chapters, just for people to reflect and to think about it. And hopefully it will also encourage people to deal with their personal issues and the things that separate us and, and to talk about these things. And then to come together more as a people of prayer to uh, to lift up the things that really are in desperate need of prayer in our nation today. Bob, I can't think of a better way to end our show today because we are a nation in need of prayer. In the few moments that we have left, I'm going to go ahead and mute myself and have you do a quick prayer for us. Oh, that would be wonderful. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Lord, that you are good, that your plans are good, that your purposes are good. Lord, we thank you that you are the source, Lord God, of our unity. We're not trying to create some kind of a oneness. Lord, we want to preserve the unity that you have created through the cross of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we give ourselves to you afresh, and we declare today, Lord God, that what matters to you matters to us. And because you care about our relationships and you care about our unity, Lord God, we want to care as well. We want to do the things that would honor you, Lord God. We want to do the things that would advance your purposes on this earth. And so, Father, if we have sinned in this regard, if we've treated our brothers and sisters poorly, we ask that you would forgive us. And we pray, Lord, that you would free us from our self-centeredness, that you would free us from our pride, and that you would help us, Lord God, to be a people, Lord, uh, who love you and who love and honor one another. And we pray, Father, that this would have a profound effect upon our churches, our communities, and our nation. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much, Bob, for that wonderful prayer. And thank you for being with me on the show today. As you know, I enjoyed having you. Can't wait to have you back and have you back real soon. Always a pleasure, Parker. And we were talking today to Bob Santos. He is the author of Greater Glory, the Transformational Power of Christian Unity, and also Community Prayer Devotional. You can get them for free at the website below. So go ahead and get a copy of them today. But if you want to sow into this ministry, go ahead and buy them on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. I'm going to tell you right now, it will change your perspective on unity and change your perspective on prayer. Thank you so much for joining me for this edition of the Parker J. Cole Show. You have a wonderful, absolutely glorious, blessed day. And God bless.